Welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. Today, we are discussing the impact of living with chronic pain with my guest, Heather White. She was diagnosed with the Chiari malformation and also uh, was diagnosed with permanent nerve damage impacting her back, her knees, resulting in multiple surgeries. She's going to share some of her challenges, but also what keeps her going during the, the more difficult days. Hey, this is Tasha with When We Speak, and today I am speaking to Heather White. Uh, Heather, tell everybody uh, where you're from and just a little bit about yourself. I'm from Goldsboro, North Carolina. Um, I'm originally from Eden, North Carolina. Um, I'm 46-year-old white female, happily married, have two children, one that's 20 and one that'll be 23 soon. So for anybody out there listening... Heather's husband and my husband, they know each other and, and work together for a really long time, work together now. And uh, Heather is our family's baker. So she bakes all of my <laughs> cakes. So if you've read my book, you understand how important cake and dessert is to me. <laughs> and Heather feels that need quite beautifully. She's probably one of the only bakers that I actually trust. <laughs> so, um, but I learned about Heather's uh history of chronic chronic pain and just some some physical things that she deals with medical issues that she deals with and wanted to hear her story Uh, for those of you that are also dealing with that invisible pain invisible illness and uh, her journey is going to inspire you today so thank you so much Heather for for being here with me and for being willing to have this conversation Uh, if you could Take us on a journey and tell us just kind of where certain medical or physical ailments or injuries first started with you. And we're just going to kind of go down the timeline. Well, I was 19. Um, I had a horseback riding accident. Uh, It fractured my ribs. And that's where my back injuries began at 19. Um, As life progressed, I ended up going through my basic law enforcement training. And that really actually is where it really truly began. Um, I did finish my uh, basic law enforcement training, but uh, two of my fellow officers actually had to carry me off of the field uh, out of my stubbornness. Um, It actually damaged some of the nerves that I have in my back. Heather, how old were you at that time when you were going through law enforcement training? I was 21. You were 21 years old. Wow. Okay. So um, after that, I went to the doctors. I got a little better from it. I did uh, two years as a police officer in Kinston, North Carolina. I decided uh, that probably was not the best course with lower back injuries. And as well as I wanted to have children, I didn't think those two things kind of would mix in the long term. Uh, So I went back to school, uh, got a a certificate in phlebotomy. There I had children, so I decided to stay home with my children. Um, 
about three or four years later, after my daughter was born, I went back to work for Goldsboro Orthopedics and Associates. I was there for eight years. Um, there we do a lot of standing, um, mm-hmm. a lot of pull, patient pulling, um, a lot of cast work where you have to get down and up a lot. And that just did not bode well with my back. Um, about five years into it, I ended up realizing that ended up having to start taking pain medicine for the first time in my life, which was an adjustment because I couldn't take it at work. I could only take it at home. So by the time I got home, I was hurting so bad that I would take the pain medicine. and It would make me tired. I'd get dinner on the stove and go lay on the couch and the medicine would make me so tired. I'd I'd sleep. (laughs) I did that for about a year. So it was a huge adjustment for our family. I finally ended up having a surgery about a year later. That was in 2009. And what, what kind of surgery did they do back in 09? I had an artificial disc replacement. Okay. Um, it was wonderful. I did have some nerve damage, but comparatively um, what I was left with, what I had started with, I was great. It was, it was amazing. I was in, a lot less pain than I was in before. So I, it was tolerable. A year later, I bent over in the shower of all the things, just washing my feet and pop. Whoa. And it started it all back over again. Um, in this process, I started having really bad headaches. So I started going to the doctor. They thought it might have been the pain medication. So we did adjustments. They said, then they said about six months later, I was having migraines and something just doesn't, did not feel right. I kept going back to the doctor. Just something was more than just migraines. I couldn't get the doctors to listen. They went from that to, well, maybe you're depressed. So I've never really had problems with depression or migraines in my past. So I kept pushing on with it. I went to a different doctor. Finally, this doctor just happened to know what I have. It was almost four years into this when I finally was diagnosed with the Chiari malformation. Oh, wow. So can you tell listeners the Chiari malformation? What are some of the the symptoms of of that and and what kind of treatments? Um, Excuse me. With the Chiari malformation, um, I'm going to tell you what it is, um, if I can start there. Mm-hmm. It is a problem where part of the brain is called the cerebellum. Mm-hmm. It's a part of the back of the skull that bulges through the normal opening of your skull and it joins where your spinal canal is. Mm-hmm. It puts pressure on part of the brain and the spinal cord. And that's where you get your symptoms from headaches, dizziness, vertigo, um, blurred vision, shortness of breath. Uh, difficulty sleeping, balance problems, memory problems, tachycardia, palpitations, and all of those the ones that I that I've read there are the ones that I have. Wow. There's a whole there's a whole slew of a list of them, but those are the primary ones that is associated with what I have. There are different kinds of Chiari malformations. I actually have Chiari malformation one. So so they diagnose you with this. Chiari malformation one. And is it like, okay, now that we know what it is, this is how we get rid of it. This is how we treat it. 
what was the rec- the recommendation from there? And is this something that goes away or, or is it, um, does it, does it get worse over time? What are doctors telling you or what have you learned? Well, for some, you can have it and not even ever know you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually do an MRI for other reasons and find it. However, I was having the symptoms. They, first just gave me medicine for the headaches, basically treating it like uh, a migraine Um, that, you know, it helps to some degree with lessening some of the the headaches um, and the vertigo. But the long, the long short of it is I, I need surgery. I've needed surgery for about four years now and I just have been kind of putting it off. Um, there is no emergency to it uh, for me as of right now. Uh, it is just a a decision whether I want to have it done at this point or not. Um, so, yeah, I've just been kind of putting that off. <laughs> well, um, and, and it's easy to do that. It's like, do I, do I really want to have another surgery? And I guess uh, uh, before I even assume that you've had a lot of surgeries, how many surgeries have you had, you know, just over the last past 20 or so years or longer? I have had, I think, five surgeries altogether. And I mean, in, in yeah. my lifetime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've had enough and, and they're wanting to do. I have a, a, a actual my my son's dog actually hit me in my leg. And partially dislocated it and caused two tears in my hips. So I have an upcoming surgery this year to have that fixed. So I've not yeah. been in a big hurry to fix something that I don't quite need to fix yet. The The yeah. hip is one thing, but the head is another. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, so that's understandable. It's like if I have to do it, then, then, then fine. But you've got, you, you know, you've got some other stuff that that's more, you know, imminent, it, it sounds right. like. So with with all of the the physical uh, pain that you have experienced and the, the medicines and all of that kind of stuff, can you tell listeners out there about the the emotional or you know issues that have have arisen from having the chronic pain, having to have the surgeries, having to change your course in life? Um, what are some of the things that you dealt with inside? Well, you know, somebody gave me something to read one time and it was kind of shocking. I've read it before, but I never had applied it to me. Kind of the five stages of grief. And, you know, you go through the denial stage that I'm still good. I, you know, I'm still me. I'm still I can still do everything that I was doing when I was 20. You know, even when I was 20, I was going, I can do everything everybody else was doing. But I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, and it just leaves you very angry. Um, and then you realize after a while that you. You kind of get to a place where you just. You kind of cope with it and then you realize you're not coping very well with it and you get angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I guess when I first started doing things and. I don't know, even like simple things like I, I want to sweep the, the kitchen or I want to vacuum. It's a simple task. You know, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. 
but it's something that it actually causes me a lot of pain to do. Mm-hmm. So I have to rely on my husband and my children to do a lot of that stuff. I do what I can do and they have to pick up the rest. And it does leave me angry because I shouldn't have to ask somebody else to do that. I've always been a kind of very independent person. I always hated to ask anybody to do anything for me. And, you know, and to a fault, I mean, it really is. It's just because it's not that I couldn't depend on anybody to do it. I didn't want to have to depend on anybody to do it. That's very, you hit on a great point. That is so difficult for for strong and independent women. It's like, I can, I can do it myself. I got it. <laughs> Let me take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so sometimes you just can't. Um, and were there ever any times when you were going through things and, and people assumed that you were okay or didn't understand why you couldn't come to events or, or why you couldn't keep your word on attending, you know, something that you had previously promised or, or why you couldn't work or, or do whatever? Were there ever any times when, when people made assumptions or, or criticisms? Well, I've lost friends along the way, that's for sure. Um, because there's been times where they just didn't quite understand why this is the third time I've told them I couldn't go to something. And they felt like, well, she's not much of a friend. Maybe she doesn't really want to have anything to do with me anymore. And that's the furthest from the truth. It's just that just like a, like today, it's rainy here in Goldsboro. And I'm having a hard time with, with my Chiari because it puts a lot of pressure on my head. So I end up having, quote, migraine. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday I was feeling good. So I could have told him, yeah, let's go tomorrow and let's go do this. But then I wake up today and I'm feeling like this and it's like, but you told me and I said, I, you know, I'm sorry. I just yeah. now, you know, you just have to find people in your life that that gets that and understands that about you. And I've surrounded myself with people that do understand that about me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when we talked before, just during our connection call, you know, for anybody out there that's listening, I was telling Heather, she is the. I mean, the example of you don't look like what you've been through. And and so uh, so so you're you're dealing with things in the best way you know how. Um, have there been moments when you've had any kind of a flare up or any kind of a symptom present from the Chiari malformation and you were scared and you didn't know if you were going to make it through or or that you would be OK? Um, one instance I had walked up the stairs just to go into my bedroom. And as soon as I walked up the stairs, our bedroom is to the right. I made it in the doorway about three steps and had to sit. I mean, immediately sit down. Everything went black. You know, they, for Kiari patients, they have these things called blackouts and I've never had one. And that was the first time I ever did. And that really, really scared me because I'm like, what if, you know, what if I have more of these, you know, the vertigo is bad enough, but you know, you add things like that to it. Um, I had a similar instance driving one day um, where I did pull over. I was able to, to lay back and lay still for it to pass. But 
what if I wasn't in the area that I could pull over? Right. I mean, there's just certain things that you have to be aware of. Like, I don't need to be driving on a day like I feel today because it's a higher incidence of those things occurring. Absolutely understand. And so uh, with everything that you have experienced, we're, talk to us about like, any any self did you ever did it ever impact like your self-esteem and how you felt about you yeah um there you know I I still go through that sometimes Mm -hmm. I mean I think it was worse when I was going through it now that I'm older I don't have it as much Mm -hmm. but I definitely did um going through it over all these years Mm -hmm. um I just think that you don't feel great about yourself. You you don't feel like getting up and you don't feel like doing your hair and your makeup because you don't feel good. Right. So when you go look at yourself, you go, I know I'm pretty. I know I can be pretty. I know I need to get up and I need to work on this, but you just don't feel like doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you listen to your body. And if you're, you know, and if it's a day where, where you, you, maybe you don't do as many chores that day and you, you rest. Yes. And you just listen to what your body needs versus pushing through. Um, yes. Yeah. So when when you're having tough days physically, tough days emotionally, what or who has gotten you through those tough times? Um, my biggest rock is my husband, um, my children, my hope. I have a large family. Um, and all of them are very good about it. Um, but my husband is definitely my rock. He's the one that's been here through the crying and the ups and downs and having to put up with me being a pain in the butt. And, you know, he's he's been there through it all. And and seeing when I am smiling out in the crowd and he knows that I'm hurting like hell right now. Mm-hmm. And he knows that that's, that's not true. That's not the picture that's really going on. Mm-hmm. And he usually says, sit down, <laughs> you know, or, or let's go, you know, when we're go to a family member's house and they like to talk for two hours. And he's usually the one that makes the excuses for us to leave because he knows I'm hurting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you could ask for a better advocate, a better protector, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, just even mentioning advocacy. For anybody out there that is, uh, you know, going through stuff medically, uh, what have been some things that's worked for you in terms of advocating for yourself with with medical providers and insurance companies, if that even is relevant, but but basically advocating for your own needs? Well, with with pain medicine, um, that's a tricky, you know, anyway, Um I will talk a little bit about that. The, you know, I have a great pain management doctors that I go to here in Goldsboro, mm-hmm. and they are wonderful. Um, they've always been wonderful. They they understand chronic pain, um, but I have been to doctors that I felt very belittled. Um, they don't understand chronic pain. They don't understand why you've been on medicine for long term. And I'm not going to lie, there was this one doctor that I asked, well, if it was the alternate, what would you do? You mm. tried physical therapy. I've tried massage therapy. I've tried going without medicine. I've tried 
I've actually had surgery now and been back through physical therapy and I've continued to stay through pain. I'd like to have quality of life. And with the, with some of this pain medicine, I've had some quality of life that I didn't have before I was laying in the bed, not wanting to do anything because I hurt. Mm -hmm. So I said, if that you change that around on you or your daughter or your mom, how would that make you feel? Mm -hmm. And he didn't really have much to say about it, you know, (laughs) because He said he didn't think anybody had ever asked him that. Oh, wow. Well, here's the thing. Is if every medical person treated patients with the same respect and dignity and and level of care as they would somebody that they loved. Right. It would change. You know, we wouldn't have providers that quote unquote had a bad bedside manner, you know? <laughs> right. Cause if you love me, you're not going to treat me bad. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to do that to me. So to treat me, refer me to the doctors that you would re- recommend to your children, to your parents, right. somebody that you, you know, your partner, somebody that you love. Yeah. And, and so it, it would change the game in terms of, of medical care, in terms of, people being probably misdiagnosed. Yes. <laughs> people not being listened to. We would have less complaints. Um, you, you know, overall, there would be an increase in patient satisfaction. That's just my spiel, um, you know, for anybody out there. Very That's true. just what I believe. Yeah. One so, of the things, one oh, of the things that they, the, that other doctors that pain management doesn't necessarily do is, I mean, they do treat you like a second class citizen as soon as they see your medicine list. And I know a lot of other people have talked about this. Mm-hmm. You go to, you know, a gynecologist or you go for your cold and they ask you for your medicine list and they're just looking at it. And the first thing they think about is, are you seeking? Right. And I'm like, and, you know, I've actually went to one of the, the immediate cares and they say, well, we don't have any narcotics here. Uh, oh. I have a cold. I don't, I'm not asking you for anything. I might be asking you for an antibiotic, but I'm not asking you. So why are you, why are you asking me that or telling me that? Yeah. Making the assumption that you're drug seeking and then that's the only reason why you're there. Yeah. So yeah. And I know other people have had that issue and it's very frustrating. It, well, it's frustrating and, and it's demeaning. Yes. And, and so, yeah, um, so that makes, that makes sense uh, for anybody out there that um, maybe they've not been diagnosed with the Chiari formation, but, but they're having some of the same earlier symptoms uh, that, that you had, um, what, what would be your recommendation for them? I would recommend that. If you're just starting off and you're not sure if you have a Chiari malformation, keep fighting with your doctors. And if they don't give you the answers, it's okay to find another one. And if you love the doctor that you're with, but you're not getting the answers, it doesn't mean you can't go get second opinions. You need to be an advocate for yourself for everything, not just for this, because doctors go to certain schools and they're not taught but certain things. And they can get very narrow-minded in what they know. 
Um, and being working in the doctor's fields, I mean, I can attest to that. They they get narrow minded in what they lo- learned in school. And if they are con- constantly not going back and most doctors don't, they might get new materials, but they're not constantly going back. So if you're not there, if they're not finding it doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong. It just means that they don't know. Oh, I love that. You have to be your own, your own advocate in, in every sense of the word. Were, were there times because they had originally thought that you were having issues because you were depressed? Did they recommend therapy? Did you ever go through therapy at all or or, or no? No. And that was another thing that kind of disturbed me. Um, they just wanted to give me medicine. They didn't offer for me that none. I've had two that that has has you know, made that um, suggestion that I had depression, but they never offered me to go talk to anybody at all. They said, do you feel depressed? Do you feel like you need to talk to someone? That was never asked of me. They just said, here, we'd like for you to take this medicine and try to see if that helps. And I don't agree with that. (laughs) I don't. I think people need to learn coping mechanisms Mm-hmm. along with if they need medicine. Right. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a psychologist, but no, you're, just, you're on it. I yes. just, I, that's just my take on it. I don't think if you never learn how to cope with anything with medicine, even with the medicine, you're not you're spinning wheels. Right. Well, it, and it would have been helpful if they would have. OK, yes. Give me give me medicine for depression or anxiety or whatever. If that's what you think this is, then 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 that's fine. But also connect me with the professional that can help me with the depression that you're saying I, that you're diagnosing me with. Right. <laughs> right. Because then that professional is going to see you and say, well, let you know, they'll, they'll diagnose you appropriately. Right. <laughs> and see if this is something that that you need and and you know, kind of help you in other ways. Like you said, to help you deal with all of that emotional stuff with the self-criticism, the the self-esteem issues with anything else, with the anger. Um, It would have been nice to have had somebody that just kind of gave you that extra support during all of that. Um, So, yeah. So, so thank you for, for, for mentioning that. That's an important point. So let's see here. Uh, with everything that that you've dealt with in your life, what have been some of the things that have given you joy um, or some of your hobbies? Well, um, first of all, my children have given me a lot of joy. They crack me up. They keep me going. <laughs> my um, my son is in, you know, in the cars and, you know, he's always coming in with something different or helping somebody else change their vehicles. And we always, our, our house is like a revolving door. We always have somebody over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my daughter, she's into horses. Um, she has her own horse. And again, that's initially how I ended up hurting my back was horseback riding, but I love horses and uh, she has her own horse. So we spend a lot of time at the barn. Um, I watch her, eventing and she English rides um but both of them have, have been my pride and joy I cook as you say yeah. um 
I, I seem to have got a brownie recipe down that everybody seems to enjoy. <laughs> They're delicious. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But that's my quiet time is my is my baking. Mm-hmm. I also crochet and you know, I love to sing. I, I, I usually get in my my little zone and I sing sometimes and that helps out a lot. Heather, I don't mean to embarrass you, but will you tell listeners something very interesting that you shared with me about your singing journey and something that you that you took part in some years back? <laughs> um, it, it was quite a years back. Um, I don't even remember the um, the company, but there was an audition um, and I. I went to audition and they started out with 2000 and they got down to the last 200 and then they got down to the last 20 and I was the part of that. Um, the only reason why I didn't make it into the singing part or into I, I made it to the singing part was the dancing. They had a dancing skit that we did. and I didn't quite pick it up all the way. So they gave me a certificate and told me to come back as soon as I completed a course they were going to send me to. And I was in. So I I, I kind of let that go. <laughs> yeah. 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 But um that was always a little joy of mine to to know that I, I could have done that and that was a path in life that I could have taken. Is it um do you have any plans of getting back to singing in, in whatever capacity that feels comfortable and right for you, just even if it's at home enjoying it or well my, my husband bought me a podcast um a microphone and because I told him I wanted to start recording some songs for our, uh, for our, our kids and grandkids in the future. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my son is trying to help me get set up and I've been doing a little singing and recording. Oh, that is awesome. So thank you for everything that you have shared today. Um, so now we're at the point where I get to ask you some fun questions. Um, if, if there's a day and you're feeling good and you just want to like move your body, dance, sing, and you need something upbeat, uh, who's your, who's the music artist that you, that you kind of would, would turn on? Oh, I don't remember the name. <laughs> See, I'm bad about that. I love songs, but mm-hmm. I'm bad about the artist. Bad. Oh, it's that. okay. What about the type of music that you like? I like all kinds of music. I'm not one to really... To say that I don't like a certain, like, I just kind of like everything. Okay. Um, uh, there's this one song that my daughter plays. I think it's called Happy. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a really fun, like, quirky song that, you know, we all just get to like. <laughs> yeah. I think it's about, is that about for real? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. It. Yeah, I love that song. It's so positive. <laughs> I love and, it. And who or what? inspires you um that's kind of hard question huh (laughs) um I think my father inspires me um Mm -hmm. my kids inspire me and so does my husband really inspires me but I think if I had to choose it would be be your dad awesome (laughs) and who or what makes you laugh um, my husband, he's yeah. always doing something that 
<laughs> he's kind of a klutz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love him to death. He's a kind of klutz, and he just always is doing something that that catches my eye. And he's always cracking me. <laughs> That's awesome. Any last words for anybody out there? You know that is maybe they're early in their journey of, of dealing with chronic pain. Is there any anything else that you would want to say to them to kind of encourage them? I do. Um, don't let anybody steal your joy. Mm. Um, I will give one a quick example that I, I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, I did have somebody that that asked me, why do you always look so happy if you're in pain? Um, you know, and it first shocked me. And then I kind of kind of got angry in a little bit. And I'm just like, well, would you rather me treat you like crap? I mean, I don't, you know, I can sit here and tell you how badly I'm in pain right now. But most people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Um, and that's not me. That's not who I am. So my suggestion is to anybody out there, try to remember who you were before the pain and aspire to keep that. Um, Don't let the pain take you over. Um, If you're in that much pain, do seek out some medical help that gives you a better quality of life because there are things out there that you don't have to be in that much pain. Um, don't be embarrassed to go take pain medicine. I was. I waited for a long time. I couldn't stand the thought of medicines. Um, I just couldn't. And I suffered for a long, lot longer than I should have. So don't be embarrassed of that. Go go live your best life and, and you need to find it. I love that. That is so encouraging. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me today. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation and I already know that there's a lot of women and men that are going to listen and really be encouraged by your story. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me for today's podcast. And please make sure that you visit me at TashaHunterAuthor.com or you can find me always at Instagram at TashaHunterLCSW. While you are at it, Please, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating or a review. Uh, Also share this podcast with others and I will see you all next time.